Well, hello, this is Marnie Clark, your host of Listen Loudly. And today we're going to talk a little bit about one of my very favorite topics, which is personality type. Um, yeah, I call myself the Christian personality coach because I just find that once we understand, understand ourselves, a lot of times it is really helpful to understand others and get closer to God because God made us um, for relationship with him. He made us to be intimately close to him. And he created us for relationship with other people. And sometimes just knowing more about ourselves and others can really bring us to a place of healing and just a place of excitement about um, about the potential, about our purpose for our lives. But you know, most of us are really busy. We don't typically take the time, most of us don't, some do, to look in the mirror of personality type to recognize our natural tendencies. We don't often take time to recognize our gifts. And once we do, once we, we take the time, it really empowers us to love ourselves and others. In the process, though, which is what we're going to talk a little about, bit about today, we may awaken to the fact that we have been living as, as a fish out of water, both professionally and personally. You know, once you figure out what your type is, and it really is a you figuring it out, you can, you take an assessment, but ultimately you determine by reading the descriptions which type you relate to the most. Um, either you prefer, it's a four-letter type, either you prefer extroversion or introversion. You know, everybody's a little bit of both, and I understand, but type theory says you lean toward one more than the other. So, it's extroversion or introversion, sensing or intuition. Um, very briefly, sensing is when you um, most people are pretty attuned to the concrete, to noticing details. Not all sensing people notice details, but um, a lot do. Um, a lot of times it's more about the present than the future. Um, people who are intuitive, who, are, who prefer intuition, are typically more future-oriented. They like to look at the big picture. A lot of times it's, you know, what what does something represent to them versus, um, so if you, you hand someone a cup and ask them to talk about it, someone who prefers S might say, this is a nice big cup. Um, I could put plenty of coffee in it. Um, I love the handle, um, beautiful colors. And then the person who prefers intuition might say, I love this cup. You know, when I hold it, it really reminds me of the time when blah, blah, blah. So that's just an example. That's not a, a perfect definition, but just to understand sensing versus intuition. And then the third letter is either going to be thinking versus feeling. Now, feeling people, it's not that they're not logical. They just prefer to make decisions based more on values, sometimes how they feel. And people who prefer the thinking side typically like, they, they like to make decisions more based on logic. Um, a lot of times are very interested in what's fair. Um, but you were going to find a lot of emotional tease 
and some people who are F who may not appear to be very emotional. So that can be a tricky one as well. Um, then the fourth letter is either um, J or P. J represents um, judging. Does not mean that J's are judgmental. That's just the, the term for it. P is perceiving. Um, and so those letters are kind of tricky in the way they're termed because basically the difference is J's typically like a decision made. They like order typically. Um, a lot of times like to have a schedule, like to have a plan. Um, people who prefer P, a lot of times they say they get really energized at the last minute. So I'm not going to say procrastination because really a lot of times people who are P really are working on a project, but it's kind of all in their head. They're thinking about lots of possibilities. They don't want to miss a possibility. And then at the very end, it all just comes together and it's beautiful. So as you can see, there's none of the letters are superior to any other letters. Um, but it is just fascinating when you, when you figure out your four-letter type and how they all interact. And then you you find out the four-letter type of maybe your spouse or your parent or your child, or um, you read the description and you say, well, gosh, it sounds like, you know, as someone who doesn't like details and doesn't like a schedule, it's kind of crazy that I've been a CPA for most of my life. No wonder I've been miserable. Um, so it is just, it's very validating to be able to read the description. It's very affirming. But sometimes it could possibly breed a little discontentment, you know? It's, it's kind of funny, just a, a side story, you know, it is helpful to know your personality and to know your natural strengths and, and just to look at them on paper. Because I think if I really had, my first job out of college would never have been. Um, the first job I took out of college was working in a dental office. So I myself am an ENFJ personality, which... We see the big picture. We sometimes miss details, maybe a lot of times. Um, we need to feel needed. We need to feel loved. And we need to feel appreciated. And so ironically, I found myself stuck in a world of important details and mundane procedures with my extreme incompetence inviting much-deserved criticism, let me tell you. I know I must have driven the dentist crazy. Um, in fact, one particularly embarrassing day, I inadvertently sucked a poor patient's cotton swab in my little handheld vacuum and I, you know, punctuated it with my extroverted oops. You know, that is never what you want to hear if your mouth is wide open and you're in a dental chair. You just you just don't want to hear that. So with that wake-up call, I found a new job where I could, it wasn't perfect, but I could at least use some of my natural abilities and could avoid um, scaring future patients. So uh, according to type theory now, we do have, like I said before, we have access to all the letters. So it's not like we're completely extroverted and we are not at all introverted. Um, but when we work within our preferred type, it feels like when we sign our name, 
with our um, dominant hand. You know, you just do your signature. You don't really think about it. It's easy. It may look nice. Um, but then when we have to use our non-dominant hand to sign our name, let's say you broke your right arm and your left, your right-handed, all of a sudden it's like my dental job office experience where, you know, I felt incompetent, I felt awkward, and I felt very frustrated. <laughs> and the result was not very pretty either. So, um, if you can write with both your right and your left hands, congratulations. But uh, hopefully that analogy works for most. Um, But, you know, as Christians, we have more hope than just practicing and trudging through. Because there is, there is practice. You know, if, if I kept on really, really, really trying and I just stuck it out and trudged it out, I could have stayed at that dental office and I could have developed some skills. I mean, I could have been mildly competent. I could have been good enough to have made it in that job if I had stayed and really worked on my skills. But it would always have been an effort. It always would be an effort. But with the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit... Sometimes I think God puts us in situations where he wants to show us that he's doing it and we're not doing it. So, you know, there have been times in my life where I could see that I was way outside, operating operating way outside of my personality, and yet God came through and did a work despite all of that. You know, and when his spirit is infused in our personalities, God is glorified especially in our weakness. And it's like that verse um, where Paul says, he was talking he was talking about asking God to take this thorn in the flesh away from him. And God said, it says, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And that's 2 Corinthians 12, 9. So, you know, as you can, we may not seek out these jobs. We may, we may think, you know what, I'm going to do everything I can do to avoid situations where I have no talent and will fail. And that's usually a good scenario. But, you know, sometimes God really just has us in some challenging situations, whether it be our career, job, or even a a close relationship. And, you know, if you're currently, if you currently feel like you're swimming against the current of your God-given personality in your career or relationship, then take courage because there's hope. You know, one very practical thing you can do is you can ask another type for help. Um, You know, just enlist someone of your opposite personality type or someone who has maybe a similar personality type to your spouse. Maybe if you're having a hard time relating to certain needs that your spouse may have and just talk to them because you're not emotionally wrapped up as much with that person that you're talking with and they can give you some some fresh perspective, you know, so that maybe it will diffuse some of that frustration. Um, if you're in a career where you have some things in your job that are just maddening to you because of your personality, if you have the ability, outsource it. You know, if you're if you're a stay-at-home mom and you have the finances to do it, try to 
outsource some of those things um, that so you can spend the time doing the things that you love and that you are really going to enjoy. Now, a lot of times with finances, outsourcing is just not an option. And that's when maybe you can uh, trade off some duties with someone who might enjoy it. You know, something that you may just hate with your personality, another personality is really going to love. And a lot of people like to help people. You know, when you go to someone and say, I really don't understand how to do this. I really dislike doing it. Could we trade off some job responsibilities? You know, you can get creative. I, I love the verse Ecclesiastes 4. It's actually 9 and 10. Two are better than one because they have a reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But way to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. You know, it's just like in 2 Corinthians 12 where where Paul is talking about how we are one body with many members. You know, Christ is the head. Some of us are feet. Some of us are hands. Some of us, um, maybe some days we feel like we're like the pinky toe. Like we seem like we don't have much of a, a reason or purpose, but they're all important. And he talks about how, you know, can the eyes say I'm not important because I'm not the ears or that's no, actually not the way he says it. But basically, can one body part say they're not important because they're not another body part? No, we need everyone. And we really need to humble ourselves. Um, I'm preaching to myself right now. We all, including me, need to humble ourselves to recognize the things that we're just really not gifted in and that we need others' help because nine times out of 10, they're really happy to give it to us. Um, So another practical tip is just make a plan for a change, you know? Life shouldn't be trudging through all the time. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So when you discover that your job or career um, is more of an, an effort than a passion, it's time to develop an exit strategy. God created you the way he did because he has a special plan for your life. And I know that sounds very idealistic. And it's like, well, must be nice to get that perfect plan. I'm just trying to pay the bills. And I understand. So this plan may take two months or it may take 10 years. But the important thing is, even if you just have 10 minutes a day to work toward your new reality, those minutes will add up to hours and days and they will eventually add up and you will eventually um, be able to make a change. It's just kind of trudging through in the meantime. So then my third piece of advice is, you know, flex, but don't break. And this this is in regard to your relationship. Um, I love the verse Romans 12, 18. Um, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So personality type education can do wonders for most relationships. I was talking about that in the beginning, you know. If you're meeting with a trained relationship coach or counselor, um, you, you, you probably are going to get some fresh hope for most of your personality conflicts because once you and your partner recognize your needs and your tendencies um, and just how different you may think, operate, make decisions, 
love and forgiveness usually follows. And sometimes we have to learn to flex our non-dominant personality traits. You know, the ones where how we talked about signing your name with your non-dominant hand. It will start to look better the more you do it if you practice it um, in an effort for peace and compromise. But here's a huge warning. You know, be careful that you're not confusing abusive behavior in your partner as a personality difference or quirk because you will not be able to fix those issues with personality education. Um, so if someone is putting you down, constantly berating you about your personality traits, um, then go ahead and get help. You know, abuse can be physical, but it can also be emotional and verbal, which are just, if not more devastating. So, um, so just wanted to throw that out there. I'm not saying that, um, personality assessments can heal all, um, And then finally, you know, and this is most important, pray for wisdom. James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. So sometimes you're going to find yourself in a situation where you're just in over your head and you have no end in sight. Like maybe you're working on that exit strategy and you got a 10-year plan. Well, single moms feel like this way often (laughs) Uh, because they're forced to juggle many roles. And I was a single mom myself for a few years. It was a very short time, but I found plenty of opportunities for Christ's power to shine through my weakness. I can remember attempting things as simple as assembling Christmas toys for my daughter. Um, And some of those toys, I mean, you buy them and then you open them up and they're like a thousand pieces or something. And You wouldn't think I would need divine assistance for this, but you may as well have asked me to build the Eiffel Tower. My mind, when I look at a detailed manual, it just shuts down. It is just not within my skill set to do things like that. Um, But believe it or not, I could. I would pray. I would say, God, let me do this. God, help me. I mean, God, show me where the right piece is. Show me where this, because I was so, so dependent on him. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade those days for anything that was like some of the hardest time in my entire life. But, you know, I had to lean into God. I had to, I had to talk to him every minute of the day. I had to pray without ceasing, like it says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. And the reward of that close relationship um, that doesn't go away with our father is priceless. And it's worth all the challenges. So, If you have gotten a little interested in what I've been talking about and you want to read a little further, there are two books that are really interesting on this topic. Um, There are plenty, but here are two that I'll throw out. Please Understand Me. And then there's another one that's called Do What You Are. And that's talking more about careers. Please Understand Me is going to give you a really good um, grasp on Myers-Briggs. So, Anyway, I hope you are having a wonderful day. I'm just going to close this in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, thank you, thank you so much that you made all of us. You made all of us in your image, and you have a special plan for each person who's listening to this right now. I pray for those who feel hopeless in a relationship, especially, that you would breathe new hope into them. And whatever that hope looks like, you know, that hope may look like, um, a brand new um, 
a brand new, fresh hope, understanding their their spouse, or it may look like getting to safety. But I pray that you would um, give your wisdom to each person listening today. In Jesus' name, amen.